ಸ್ಥಾಪಕಾಧರ್ಮಸ್ವಿಣೆ ಅವತಾರವರಿಷ್ಠಾಯಸುತ So in the last class, we saw that Sri Krishna is instructing Arjuna with the concept of Swadharma. The practice of Swadharma, that all the actions as per your circumstance of life, as per your temperament, as per our temperament, as per our circumstance of life, whatever we are doing in the present context, we can consider that as our Swadharma. So that has a great role to play in the controlling of our mind. So as we were indicating in short, that we will find that two types of samskaras are there in our mind. One is the basal samskaras. It is common to all of us. From the very inception of life, from the very small microbe till the human being, there is something common. In our scriptures, they say that's this Ahara Nidra Maithuna. Having food, this need for rest and procreation. So these are the samskaras which are common. And as they are common, as they are from the very inception of life, they are very strong, very strong. Now we find that Sri Krishna mentioned that even a jnani, a wise man, when he resolves to cut himself off from the sensate experiences of life so as to calm down his mind, he finds it's difficult because the want power is much, much stronger than the willpower. Because all those subliminal impressions, they are there in our mind for ages. If we consider hereditary, if we consider transmigration in whatever way it may be, it is there. And they are extremely strong. All our resolutions are in the surface of the mind. But the bubbles which are coming from the subconscious mind, they come and just break all our resolutions. So what's the way out? So we were saying that, yes, these are the impressions which we have. We are all in common. But there is another type of impression. What's that? That as per our way of life, the professions which we have chosen as per our temperament, that creates, when we are doing those actions again and again, that again creates some samskaras in our mind. So they are not as strong as the basal impressions. But there is a very interesting thing about the mind, that there are so many impressions in our mind, at a time, 
only one type of impression can be at the surface. All cannot be at the surface together. You, we all find that when I am in my workplace, my naturally my behavior changes. When I'm at my house, naturally my behavior changes. When I'm dealing with my children, naturally my behavior changes. Again, the same person, when I'm with my friend, naturally what it speaks of, that there are so many mental modules which we have acquired through the process of hereditary and through the process of transmigration. But they all don't come up to the surface of the mind all at once. At a time, one comes. You will say, no, when my mind is disturbed, so many thoughts come. Yes, they may be coming at a very quick frequency, but at a time, it is only one. And that also depends at, and you may say that uh, when I am sitting relaxed, so many thoughts are coming. Yes. When as such, I am not in any circumstance, I am relaxing. Then all these modules, which I have nourished at some point of time or other, they all want to be pampered. So at that's the time, we find that the mind is turbulent. But when I'm in a particular situation, I find my mind has automatically calmed down. The same mind which you find is so restless when you go to your workplace, in that environment suddenly changes. When you come to a shrine, you go to the temple, suddenly it changes. So what it speaks of? That there is no as such a commander in the mind who decides which mental module will get activated. Well, you may say, I am the commander. That's what Sri Krishna is saying, you're not the commander. A wise man resolves that I will calm down the mind. It doesn't happen. Then who is the commander? The commander is the external circumstances. Based on the circumstances, a particular module gets activated. If that's the thing, the very first practice for Chitta Shuddhi is the very first practice that first let me attenuate. At present, the waves are very strong. Let me weaken them, attenuate them. To get rid of them is a process. It won't happen in one go. First, let me think of Chitta Shuddhi. How? Let me expose myself as much as possible to those environments where those designed modules, the modules which I have designed as per my work, as per the situations of life in which I have taken certain responsibility, my hobbies, all those things, the good things of life, the much more sublimated things of life. With that I have designed, we all have designed to a certain extent as per our liking a certain mode of life. Keep yourself more and more in that type of situation because it is the circumstances which activates my module. So when I keep myself in my work, try to do it with full sincerity, the more and more I will find that the so-called, the strong basal impressions, which are common for all of us, that doesn't get scoped to be nourished. So you will find that when a lot of birds are there, you feed them every day, every day, you will find the stronger birds have the tendency to feed all the cereals which you have given, isn't it? If you are not careful, you will find that the stronger, the bird which is already strong, that will come and try to deprive the others. And the same thing happens with the mind. These basal impressions are so strong they will try to deprive if you keep the mind free. Because in the free mind, when you are relaxing, then all have their go. All are trying to, this jostling and 
They are just fighting with each other to be pampered. Your mind is, when you are in free, relaxing mode, you're, you're like a nanny sitting. You have just in the holidays, all the grandchildren have came and they're all sitting around you and they all want to be pampered. So that's the situation of the mind when you are in a just relaxing in a default mode. So at the very beginning, if I try to think of meditation, know it for certain, it is going to be an utter failure. So this karma do have a role to play for one who is Yoruksha, who is trying to be get, get established in yoga, has a great role to play. One who is yoga ruler, one whose mind is already subdued. He may do actions with a different perspective. But for the one who is aspi as an aspirant, who is yoga, Aru Ruksho, who is trying to get established, he is not yoga ruler. These two words in Bhagavad Gita is very significant. So for him, the karma is meant for Chitta Shuddhi. He is exposing himself more and more to those environments where those designed modules get activated. And that way, the, if you don't feed the particular mental module, it gets weakened. So you are attenuating them. So, but that is not all. We know that we cannot keep ourselves always busy with that karma. We have to have some relaxed moment. We have to have some retreat. And then again, we find that though it may be attenuated, this too, this these so-called basal impressions do disturb us. And that's the thing now Arjuna will be asking Krishna. So 36th sloka of the third chapter. What's the sloka? Arjuna Vacha. What is Arjuna? After hearing about the Swadharma, what is Arjuna asking? Athakena prayuktoyam papam charati purushaha anichan apivarshneya valadipo Niyojita. So it's, who is prayukta means who is impelling? Who is the one who impels? Then impelled by what does a person commit sin? All the criminal acts in this life, all the sinful acts are the crimes. It's not in the Abrahamic religion, the way the concept of sin has been spoken of. Actually, the same way in here. Krishna is not speaking of that sin. It's not something inherent in us as an original sin. That's not the idea. Idea is that our these compulsions makes us to do certain thing which is not allowed by the society. So those are the power. This what is what are what are the what impels me that in spite of my resolution, anichanapni, though I am, I am not. I am not willing. My conscious mind is saying that I don't want it. But I find that I am being forced. So what is that? That impels, impelled by what does a person commit sin or crime? Though against one's wish, api, as if carried away by force. Valad eva niyojita. So this is the, one of the biggest drawback of our mind limitation of our mind, that all these compulsions, how it has developed, that out of necessity, what I do again and again, I have to do. Just a small child, this example we give again and again, a small child is not drinking milk, mother adds a little sugar, and you find the child starts drinking. 
Nowadays, the parents are very cautious that they, they see that the child is not taking any sweet things, the chocolates and others. They have a natural tendency to have it. Because if they have it, immediately they will develop that hyperactivity. Attention deficiency, ADHD is the syndrome they say that attention deficiency, hyperactivity syndrome. So all this they develop means it is harming him. But how he has developed that it is something innate that uh, he has, has been born with that tendency. So nowadays these evolutionary scientists speak that in the process of evolution, our predecessors, ancestors, when they used to go to the forest, they discovered that anything in nature which is sweet is not going to kill me. Other things may kill me. The sour may be nourishing, but may be toxic. Bitter may be nourishing, may be toxic. I'm not sure. But about sweet, you can be sure. In nature, if anything is sweet, it can never be poison. It is going to nourish you. And the predecessors who were food gatherers, who were yet to learn agriculture. So it was a big challenge. What is going to nourish him and what is going to kill him? So they quickly discovered that anything sweet in nature is not going to kill him. So there was a necessity that to have sweet thing was a necessity. Most probably they haven't developed test, but when they pursued, pursued it again and again, it created as if a path in their mind, the mind got wired. Once that path is created in the mind, now the tendency of the mind is to pursue that path, to traverse that path again and again. It develops a pleasure for it. It forgets the necessity. So that's why you will find in the modern age, all the lifestyle disease is somehow dependent on that factor. Your too much intake of sweet, how it has developed out of necessity has got converted. Now here it is saying all the papam we are being forced to do. The same thing happens with everything. Sri Ramakrishna in the gospel is again and again saying, this lust and gold is maya. The word maya is very important. What it means? Maya. Ya means yatha yatha. When you are seeing the thing as it is, that is ya, means yatha yatha. Ma is a negation. That I cannot see the thing as it is. Why? These obsessions comes to the picture. The moment the obsessions come to the picture, it doesn't allow you to see the thing as it is. So here also the same thing is happening. I forget the necessity. All our pursuits were for the necessity. I forgot. It has become a pleasure. And that results in all the crime. Can you just open the newspaper, go to any news channel, and just try to find out the basic reason for any crime? Is there any crime which is apart from these two, lust and wealth? You will find nothing. What has happened? The thing is necessary. That has got converted into obsession because of constant pursuit. So that's the thing. Arjuna, like all of us, he's, Arjuna is the representative of the human race. He's asking God. So what's that which forces us? It is this, our fixed stimuli response conditioning that is forcing us. So now Bhagavan will gradually take us step by step to the understanding of the psychology behind this crime. So now let's go to the next sloka. What is saying? The 37th sloka. Sri Bhagavan Vaj. 
काम एष क्रोध एष रजगुण समुद्भव महाशनो महापात्मा विध्यनम यह वैरिनम इस काम द सेंसुअल डिजायर क्रोध विच इज एन इवोल्यूट ऑफ काम वेन द काम गेट्स वेन योर डिजायर हियर डिजायर डजेंट मीन ओनली लस्ट समटाइम्स वी very loosely translate karma as lust lust is just a very specific desire any whatever i am seeing with my eyes whatever i am listening with my ears whatever i am smelling whatever i am tasting whatever i am touching it's a natural tendency that the sense objects the sense organs gets attracted to the sense objects this natural attraction has been described as karma this and when this our natural tendency to get drawn towards the sense objects it gets obscured it gets gets hindered it results in anger we all understand there's something i desire and there is some hindrance and that results in anger and this both bhagwan is saying is the product of rajoguna so now we need not go to the very elaborate discussion of sattva rajatama sattva in general we can say that any stimulus which is not impelling us to any action is satvik i am contemplating on god it immediately calms down my senses there is no response i immediately find that in my there is a let go relaxation i am reading scriptures i am very much involved in some studies which i like you will find that there is no response to it just some stimuli is creating bliss even sometimes there some action may be there but that action is like a flow it's almost unconscious it you are more just like gardening uh, or even say cooking even in our scriptures they say the this herding the this cattle goshala that's satvik you will find that all those actions though you are doing some actions but the action is something which is uh, not turbulent it's a regular action you are just it by your habit it goes on and that creates a very calmness in your mind so that speaks of sattva and whenever the stimulus any stimulus is resulting in immediate action that is rajo and what is tamas that this raja when gets converted into obsession that becomes tamas means out of necessity when you are then certain stimulus i see the fruit Uh, when i am in the forest my predecessor saw the stimuli was responded immediately that for my sustenance i have to collect that is raja but when that you know that it is sweet and you get obsessed you forget the necessity and just go on pursuing so you pursue so much that it starts harming you that is tamas so your vision has been clouded because of obsession so these are the three ways we can understand so here what is saying this kama and krodha is rajoguna why it is rajoguna it immediately that impulse is that is acting within immediately have to act on it you will see a small child the thing it likes you just don't give it what a tremendous reaction is there immediately it will start just crying shouting it will just roll on the ground so that's the rajoguna immediately that uh, the desire has to be fulfilled or it if it is not fulfilled it finds expression as krodha so these are the thing 
which is Mahashano. This Mahashano word is very interesting. Mahashano means that which can never be satiated. However, you may just go on in the pursuit for it. For the time being, the satiation is there. Again, the hunger for it comes back in much more in an intense way, in a manifold way, in an intense way. So it goes on increasing. So it's, it's like fire. In the fire, you just pour fuel. The more you pour fuel, the more it flares up. So the desires are like that. It can never be satiated. The more you put fuel in it, the more it flares up. That's what is meant by Mahashana. And that's what results in all the crimes, all the sinful acts. Mahapapma. Vidhyanam iham vairinam. Know this to be the greatest enemy. It is a sensual desire. It is anger born of the Rajoguna, of great craving and of, is of great sin. Know them to be your enemy. So, this human life, in our scriptures speak of Shadaripu. There are six enemies. This Vairinam, the six, what are they? This Kama, Krodha, Lobha, Moha, Mother, Matsarya. But all are the evolutes of Kama. Kama means desire, Krodha is anger, Lobha is greed, Moha is delusion, Mother is pride and arrogance, and Matsarya is jealousy and envy. Envy. All you will find actually the source is karma. As we told, when the desire gets obscured, hindered, it results in rage, anger, that's krodha. And if it is not obscured, that karma will now become your obsession, compulsion. That is greed. If it is obscured, it is anger. If it is not obscured, it becomes greed. It becomes your obsession. That is lobha. And once you're obsessed, your clear vision has gone. You have become biased. All of our bias never allows us to see the thing as it is. In those scriptures, very nice example is given that our bias distorts our vision. That in the twilight hours, in the park, the children were playing and the parents were waiting bit afar that once it's a bit dark, they will take back the children. And suddenly, a thief who was running away from the police found that here a lot of crowd is there. I can get easily mixed up with the crowd so the police cannot catch me. So it enters the park. The police senses that the thief has entered here. But after the police is chasing the thief and when it comes to the park, now the police is also a bit confused because there are so many people. So he doesn't know who is exactly the thief. And it is the twilight hours. So now what happens? The scriptures give a nice example that there is a stump. A stump is there. Means a tree which has been cut, just the trunk, the dead trunk is still there. The stump is there. In the twilight hours from distance, now as per the bias, what is happening? This police who is in search of the thief from a distance sees, sees the stump and thinks, oh, that's the thief. The thief who was running away from the police, he thinks he is the police. There was someone who was in search of his lover. He thinks it is my beloved. The child, when it gets dark, is now in search of the parent. It thinks it is my father or mother. And the parent thinks it is my child. 
So this is the example which has been given. What, is the, what it speaks of? That because of our bias, our vision gets distorted. So here also the same thing, that because of your compulsions, I start thinking that all this, my physical existence is the be all and end all of my existence. Just to keep this body healthy so that I can enjoy the world. That's all the be all and end all of my existence. That behind this, the self is there as a spectator, as an eternal witness, as something which was in the past, which is, which is going to be in the future, which is the Trikal Avadita Satya, whose existence is unceasing. And that's me, the eternal conscious principle. I am totally, totally my vision gets shadowed, obscured from it. I'm no more aware of myself. I get totally identified with the so-called senses and their objects. That speaks of moha. A delusion. You are not totally deluded. All our quarrels, fights, it is because of the delusion. As we will find that Holy Mother in Jairambati in her birthplace was <clears throat> just sitting uh, on the veranda of her house and suddenly she saw the two brothers developed some quarrel. What was the quarrel? There was if that one of the brothers was just uh, constructing some fence for uh, constructing the fence the other brother, brother came in and told that the fence yeah, is not in the correct place you have actually enclosed my land and that was the quarrel and in short time the quarrel just well, got converted into fight they were almost at blows now she, Holy Mother couldn't relax after all they are his own brother her own brothers so she ran she was extremely agitated, somehow separated these two brothers and she was gasping because after all, they were very strong. She was gasping and she, for the time being, got agitated. She scolded both of them. She came back, sat again on that, you know, that the veranda on the floor. And when bit relaxed, suddenly start, start, started laughing loudly. And then she was saying, these two rascals, they're going to die after a few days. This land will be there for eternity, for how long we don't know. And these two people, these two rascals are saying, this is mine and that is yours. So what has happened? Moha, this obsession, this tremendous obsession, forget, make us forget everything. The small things make us fight. We just stop seeing each other's face. We forget. I was just listening that in Kashi, there is one house that Muktidham where if anyone feels his death is near, they can go and stay. No charge is required. Three weeks, they will give you time. Within three weeks, if you die, well and good. If you don't die, you have to go back. <laughs> it's a wonderful place. The person who is the caretaker there has a wonderful experience. These people do have the sense that they are going to die. And most of the cases are really, within three weeks, they pass away. They die. That They can't. And he was saying that, what's the experience with your interaction with these people? I was just seeing his interview, I was really moved. He's saying that, that this life is very short. Please try to have good relations. Most of the people after coming here, the last thing they want to resolve the fight they had long back. And they told there are so many cases that in the last moment they asked that I haven't talked to my brother for 10 years. Can you some please, please arrange that uh, to uh, him to come here because I cannot go now. And he was as if waiting 
the brother came, they met, and the next day he died. That somehow, so when you are at the fag end of the life, then it seems all these were so much uh, means silly. They had no value. But moha, what the moha do was this tremendous attachment to the life, make us forget that. We're deluded. That's what he's saying, that from lobha converts into moha, and then comes mother, this tremendous ego, tremendous arrogance. I am wealthy. I am the learned. And from that again, matsarya. Matsarya speaks of what? Envy. When you think I am learned, I am wealthy, and you find someone more wealthier than you, naturally you feel jealous. You feel so. This all is a is a chain. Starts from karma. So that's what Bhagwan is saying. This Shararipu is all these six enemies with which we are staying. These enemies are not outside; it's within, and they all start from karma. So that's why he's saying that instead of saying all the six, he's just indicating the first to the karma krodha. But actually, he's indicating all the six ripus. They are all rajaguna samadbhuva. That immediately they make us to be impulsive, to act on all those stimuli immediately. That's why they are Rajaguna Samudbhava. And that's the thing he's saying that Mahashana, that they are the great, great devourer. They're never satisfied. You think sometime that let me satisfy this desire and then I will be free. And you find you are trapped that like a bee, we came to suck the honey. We were enjoying the honey. Now I thought, let me fly. And my wings, wings have got stuck in the honey. I cannot fly. So that's what all they have been became. They have become my compulsions. The things which I thought I will enjoy, they are as if enjoying me. They are draining me out. They are sucking me. So they are Mahashana. And that's Mahapapma. Because the necessity, once it gets con converted into obsession, all the sins results from that. So this, after saying this, this karma and krodha, in the next sloka, he's actually indicating that uh, our, what you say, uh, this moha, that how we get deluded, our real nature gets totally obscured. With the help of three examples, he is stating that. That dhumena vriyate vanhi. Dhumena. Dhumena means with the smoke. Avrita. What it is, this, the smoke covers vanhi, the fire. When the fire is there, immediately the smoke comes and covers the fire. The fire is no more visible. So, Dhumena vriyate vanhi. Just the mirror, the way the mirror gets, the mirror is there to reflect the image. But if it is covered with dust, it can no more, it can no more reflect. So it has got this dust is now obscuring the mirror. mirror. Just the way the, the fetus is wrapped in the womb. In the same way, the reality, the essence of my being, gets covered by the rajas. All these impulsive actions, it gets covered. So this is the help of this example. So having said this, in the next sloka, he will be expressing, he first gives the example. And then he was stating the fact that what happens in the same way, avritam, jnanam, etena, Gyanina, Nitya Vairina, Kama Rupena Kaunteya, Dushpurena Lanena Cha. 
Dushpura Analena Cha. Just like for Anala is fire. You know, the Anala, that word itself is very interesting. Anala. In Sanskrit, there's a pratyay called Alam. Alam means satisfaction. That someone you are someone is feeding you. After the first serve, he comes and requests one more serve. You say, ah, okay, I can have second, third, okay. And then time comes, you're satiated. So in Sanskrit, they will say alam, enough, no more. And alam means satiation. An is used as a negation. So that which is never satisfied. That's why fire is called anala. The more you pour oblations, the more it flares up. So that's dushpura, that which is never satiated, like fire. So similarly, this jnanam, that the real knowledge of the self gets obscured, gets covered. Even for a jnani, that's, for a jnani it is a nitya vairya, it is a constant enemy. Why it is a constant enemy? That as we were saying, that sometimes we think, oh, let me just enjoy this desire a little and then I will forget about it. It's never going to happen. It's the moment you are just in the pursuit of the enjoyment, you are trapped. So it is a nitya vairin. It will never leave you. It is a constant enemy. And this, what is that? This knowledge is covered by this constant enemy. What is this constant enemy? This insatiable desire. It is like the fire, like fire. It is insatiable. So you will find that when Buddha came back for the realization. That's what he's speaking, the first noble, the four noble truths. The first noble truth, there is dukkha. That's the first thing he's saying. Now we translate this word dukkha as suffering. But actually dukkha's exact translation is not suffering. The exact translation of dukkha is dissatisfaction. So there is dissatisfaction. You may say both are same. Suffering and dissatisfaction, both are not same. To give an example, when you are enjoying a delicacy, you're enjoying a delicacy, someone comes and asks, are you suffering? Of course, no, I'm enjoying. But the next question, are you satisfied? And immediately a big question, mark, no, I already have developed a hankering for the second, isn't it? So suffering and dissatisfaction are not the same. So if it loosely translate, then entire Buddhism becomes a pessimistic philosophy. It's actually not pessimistic. It is speaking something wonderful, that there is no satisfaction. There is Dukkha. And what is the cause of Dukkha? The second noble truth speaks of that. The cause of Dukkha is Tanha, the desire, the same thing. The third and fourth is the solution. We are not going to that. The first two truths speaks of the same thing which Bhagavan Krishna is saying here. That there is tremendous dissatisfaction. There is no satisfaction. We go on pursuing, thinking that I will be satisfied. There is no satisfaction. In the modern day psychology, they speak of it as hedonistic treadmill. But in a treadmill, you are running. Do you go anywhere? You go, you're running. You are supposed to move forward. But you are, as the treadmill is designed in such a way that the, you are running and the treadmill is going back. So you're running in the same place. The word hedonistic means hellish. That all the pursuits for the sunset pleasures of life, at last we all realize it is not giving me enjoyment. It is just sucking me out. It is a hellish. In one of the poems of Swami Vivekananda, very nicely he is mentioning. It's like ever running, never reaching, nor a distant glimpse of shore. Ever running, never reaching. 
What's the cause of it? Shankaracharya, in some other context, have mentioned the cause is the cycle of avidya kama karma. Avidya kama karma. That the desires comes from ignorance. Here also the same thing, that moha and desire. These are each means which comes first is very difficult to say. It is like almost like the hen and the egg. From the egg, the hen, the hen, the egg, which comes first? I don't know. So karma results in moha, moha again results in karma. So this cycle and then once that avidya is there from that the karma, the desire comes and that impels me to action. Once I am act or acted upon it, the desire flares up. It asks me to do uh, uh, go for the pursuits more and more. And this cycle, this avidya karma karma goes on and on. And that's the cause of our transmigration. From ignorance, I have forgotten myself. I take the sensitive pleasures of my life as the be all and end all of my existence. And that pursuit has now as if enchained me in this cycle of avidya karma karma. Swami Vivekananda used, used to have a very nice allegory. The allegory is that in the olden days, uh, in the village, the way they used to grind the oil is very interesting. The, there was no sophisticated instruments. What they will do, there's to be two stones. One, what you say, they will be rotating, revolving over the other. And the seeds has to be placed between the two stones. One stone or the other stone, the top stone will be rotating and the seeds will be between those two. And that's how they will get grinded by the motion. Now, this, both the stones are very heavy. The bottom is of course stationary, but the top one has to move. Now, how to make it move? So they used to connect it with some bullock or with some ox. And they will make the ox to move around. But how to make the ox move around? So they found a very, very easy solution. They will used to tie a stick uh, between the two horns on the head of the bullock and they will hang some straw in front of it. And the bullock is constantly chasing to get the straw, but it cannot get because it's a stick. So the straw moves on and the bullock moves on and the oil gets grinded. So Mahamaya is doing the same thing. We may think that we are very intelligent. We have a lot of degrees. Our tail is that the tail of the bullock is your degrees, long degrees. But at last we are all like that ox just chasing the straw, never ending. Swami Vivekananda say in spiritual sense, we are all babes, he used to say. And he used to say very nice, mustached babes. Once you have grown, <laughs> you are a grown up person, you have mustache, but in spiritual sense, you are babe. Why? Like babe, we always constantly want to suckle. Moment that it's removed, we start crying. Something we need to go on suckling. So that's the thing which is being spoken of here. So this goes on and on. So how to get rid of the desires? Now the question that after indicating that the desires are the cause of all the crime, sins in the society. Now he's asked just saying that how to get rid, to get rid. So when you have an enemy, to get rid of the enemy, first you should know the abode, where it is staying there. So now Krishna will indicate that where these desires stay, where it's abode, unless you know the abode, unless you know its place of hiding, how can you get control over it? So to just first finding out is to find out his abode, Sri Krishna is saying what? 
இந்த ஃபார்ட்டியத் ஸ்லோக்க இந்திரியாணி மனோபுத்தி அசிய அதிஷ்டானம் உச்சதே இந்திரிய மன புத்தி திஸ் ஆர் த த்ரீ பிளேசஸ் த சென்ஸ் ஆர்கன்ஸ் த மைண்ட் அண்ட் த புத்தி ஏதைர் விமோகத்தேஷ ஜானம் ஆவிரத்திய தேஹினம் சோ so the sense organs the mind and the intellect are said to be the abode through this it dilutes it's constantly diluting the embodied soul by welling the wisdom now what are these words the manobuddhi the mind and the intellect we may confuse they both are same very nicely it has been defined in the vedanta sara what mano nama sankalpa vikalpatmika antakarana vritti so the mind has the chitta their mind stuff has four different ways of expressing itself based on the way it's expressing itself its modus operandi it has been designated as mana buddhi chitta ahankara the your inner organ your this mind stuff chitta is what where all the samskaras are stored that is the chitta ahankara is a sense of ego that ego is the ahankara that is also a product of the mind and what is mano and buddhi which has been spoken of here you find that i have lot of pros and cons in my mind so many options are there so many mental modules are there only one will get activated so mind has many pros and cons from all those one will be ascertained so this nischayatmika that of all the pros and cons the sankalpa vikalpatmika that when i have to do something there are three options kartum akartum anyatha kartum i may do it i may not do it or even i may do it but i may do it not in the prescribed way i may do it in my own way that is anyatha so there are so many options of all those options i will choose one yes this is the thing which is for me so this nischayatmika the uh, conviction that there's a once you choose that's that uh, uh, this is the way this is the path i'm going to follow that speaks of the buddhi so this is very easy to understand that way that when my mind has innumerable mental modules that speaks of the mind in a particular situation my indriyas my sense organs are interacting with the world this desire first the place is in the sense organs so this as per the perception as per the stimulation a particular module of all those modules because of the buddhi only one gets activated to fulfill that desire so where is the seat of the desire the senses the mind and the intellect so that's what is been speaking so this kama is residing the mind thinks about the pros and cons of the various desirable objects and then residing in buddhi it determines or ascertains it spurs it for enjoyment and the organs of perception perceives the desirable objects and the organ of action the karmendriya act upon it so these desires are here and here alone so all the desires are in the mind in the intellect and in the senses so once you know that then therefore தஸ்மாத்தியாதோ தஸ்மாத்தியாதோ நியமிய பரதர் 
ജ്ഞാന വിജ്ഞാനമാശം വിജ്ഞാന നാശനം സോ ദോർ ദിസ് ഭരതർഷവ ഓ ദ സ്ട്രോങ്ഗസ്റ്റ് വൺ ദു സേ ദ ബുൾ ഓഫ് ദ ഭാരത രസ് ദ ബെസ്റ്റ് അമോങ് ദ ഭാരത രസ് ഓ ദ ബ്രേവ് വൺ സോ ഹിയർ കൃഷ്ണ ഇസ് അഡ്രസ്സിംഗ് അർജുൻ ആസ് ദ ബ്രേവ് വൺ but it is not just the physical strength by which you can conquer the enemy you are the bull among the your bull among men but what the strength is required is here the strength of the mind oh bharatarshaba that's why here he is addressing him as bharatarshaba because the practice which he is going to prescribe entails the strength of the mind oh bull of bharataras controlling the senses at the first step kill this sinful factor the destroyer of knowledge and realization prajahi henam gyana vigyana nashanam so now you may say that first bhagwan has mentioned that i cannot even if i take i'm taking a uh, what you say that resolution that i should not pursue these desires but my mind is forced but here he is saying use your will power so if you just directly jump here it is really difficult to understand first first he has spoken of swadharma in the with the swadharma you have already attenuated the desires it is strength has reduced because you are in constant the pursuit of the things which you really like all the good things so that way as you are not nourishing the so called the basal instincts of life they get to certain extents attenuated even in yoga sutra they speak of that attenuation the kriya yoga there's an attenuation now you have the strength to work upon that so you have to work upon that now so first thing is now you have to work now that now even all understand there are two types of vasana one is vyakta vasana and another is avyakta vasana we are resorting to the yoga sutra to understand this because this gita is a wonderful synthesis all the scriptures have been synthesized even yoga's ideas are there so here first comes the vyakta vasana means if to give an example if our mind is like a will if our uh, personality is like a will our psychophysical existence is like a will then ahankara the sense of ego is like the hub of the will and all these innumerable mental modules with fixed stimuli response conditioning are the spikes of the spikes now if you break one of the spike does the will collapse no still the will is there so now there are two types of practice but we have to get rid of a few spike what was the spike the so called vyakta vasana there are innumerable desires uh, desires innumerable uh, mental modules but all don't uh, i am not aware of all of them at a time in a particular birth in a particular situation i am born with a particular set of vyakta vasana others are all hidden just the example we were giving in a few classes back that uh, jokingly we say that 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 if we believe in transmigration that we came from the lower forms of life and evolved to this as a human being then in, and we say that samskaras are all there in my mind stored as a grazing animal the sanskara of this feeding on the grass is supposed to be there in my mind if i have evolved from a cattle 
that sans and you say the sanskar is still there why don't i saliva it seeing the grass now i don't say as a human being so very nicely in yoga sutra they have yoga sutra is wonderful as for the psych there's dealing with the psychology is concerned they say as per the birth as per the jati as per the species your bhoga what you are going to enjoy jati ayu bhoga these three are determined means what that as a for human birth that is not my food so the sanskar is still there if again i take birth as a cattle that again will be become vyakta that will become something prominent but in this birth as a human being that vasana is not appropriate is not something meant for the human birth so it is there but it is hidden it never comes it is a vyakta to understand it more clearly we need not go to the transmigration even in this life a school student he has developed the liking for studies passion for studies and he is good in all the subjects he really likes he is good in literature he or she is good in science in maths in social science all the subjects is good now as he gets promoted at last that the 12th grade and now it's the time for uh, per, the pursuing some higher studies in the university or in some professional course now his or her grade now determines as he has the very good grade that now he can opt for or she can opt for say an engineering college or a medical college whatever it may be now what happens in the school he was having a uh, passion for all the subjects but as per the environment the medical college others all other desires all the passion for all other subjects will for the timing get subdued it will not be visible only the biology that will get the importance because that environment needs that so now his love for biology is vyakta others are of vyakta when again in future when once he is an established doctor now he has time to pursue the other things then again those the interest in other subjects may again come to the prominence so as per the situation particular vasana is vyakta others are avyakta and this vyakta and avyakta all are like the spikes together holding my psychophysical existence with a hub hub why hub is the ego because all the desires are after linked with the ego if i just seeing something i a delicacy i feel like having it who is going to have it this this me this uh, limited psychophysical existence with which my identity is being uh, associated that wants isn't it so everything all our likes dislikes everything is associated with the ego so ego is the hub and all these spikes are the various mental modules of which few are vyakta other are avyakta but the which are avyakta that with that i can never fight they are already hidden i cannot fight with them but i can fight with the one which is vyakta those vyakta vasana through my swadharma i have already attenuated them now first thing now let me directly fight with them to satisfy that attenuated you may say that now is it possible yeah it's possible when you have attenuated and now the fight is possible and you can increase your will power the way we increase our muscle power the same way we can increase our will power how the muscle power is increased it is not we think by working against the weight we increase our strength of muscle our muscle grows 
but actually it is just the opposite. When I'm working against the weight, if I overdo, my muscle cells actually ruptures. There's a cramp. And then you have to take a rest. When you are resting, the muscle cells are regrowing. But when the cells are regrowing, the feedback mechanism that all this, our each and every cell is intelligent. The intelligence of the cell says them that if you just grow the number which was previously there, now this uh, this uh, this region, your arms, are going for going through more stress. So if you grow exactly the same numbers of cells, regrow exactly the same number of cells, it cannot withstand the stress it is going through. So build more, build more. So it is with this feedback mechanism the muscle grows. It is not just the opposite. We think that working against the strength, our muscle grows. It is just the opposite. Actually, our muscles are destroyed by when I'm working against the weight. It is a feedback mechanism which makes the cell to multiply in more numbers. That actually helps to grow the muscle. The same thing, the same way, this feedback mechanism helps to grow our willpower. Suppose on Shivaratri day, now I have to fast from morning till late night because all the four praharas pujas are there. For the first time when I'm fasting, I thought it's easy. I saw my parents fasting. I saw my seniors fasting. I can also do what's there. I've taken a resolution. So whenever you take resolution, it's always allowed. Because if you take in silent, you can easily break it. No one knows. So that's why in marriage, you give a big party. Only reason all should know that I'm marrying. <laughs> Otherwise, anytime you can break your resolution. So that's why you will find whenever it's a vow, there's a huge party, all the vows. So you have now resolved that I have, uh, will be fasting. You have all knows that you're fasting. So by lunchtime, for the first time, you find you're terribly hungry. But now I cannot, I have already resolved, all knows. So I continue with my fasting. A wonderful thing happens by late afternoon or in the evening, suddenly the hunger is gone. What has happened? The feedback mechanism. This hunger is, this pangs of hunger is the biological alarm system. That the body is alarming you that it's the time for food. Take it, take it, take food. And you are ignoring it. When you ignore, the alarm system gets weakened. It starts falling off. Because what's the use of giving that alarm? He's not uh, yielding to it. And then for the time being, the alarm system falls off. And now a wonderful thing happens. The fasting is has to continue till late night because four prayer puja is there. You see how wonderful it has been devised, planned. Now you find that the four prahara pujas you are doing, your body is no more disturbing. You have not taken food, but the mind is alert. As you have not taken food, it is not going to tamas. It is very calm. The alarm system has fallen off for the time being. Your mind is not disturbed by the pangs of hunger. Neither it is in tamas. So now you can continue with your spiritual practices, rituals for the rest of the night. So here you will find what has happened. Sometimes we think that increasing willpower means I have increased willpower, but I have to constantly fight. But that's not the fact. Fight is there for some time. After that, that, that your, your body has calmed down. You can continue the delaying your gratification even for longer time without any struggle. Sri Ramakrishna used to give a very nice example. So the, suppose a stream is coming, there's a downstream, that is a falls, 
and the, when the falls uh, uh, comes to the valley it gets uh, uh, what you say that's bifurcated there's two streams now the one stream becomes two stream and it becomes as if like a channel same channel but now when you are taking a boat from this leg of the this is a u this is u structure from one leg of the u of the channel you start rowing the boat so now you are going up as you have you are starting to you are, if you are going towards the bend you are going up so you have to struggle you are using both the hands for rowing and you are sweat full of sweat you are totally you are gasping but the moment you reach the bend now you get the favorable flow the, the stream now becomes favorable so now just to keep your direction with one hand you are holding the row sri ramakrishna is a very nice way and the other hand he is having a hubble bubble he is relaxing just to keep the uh, direction with one hand he is holding the row so that's what the will power does it's not that we have to struggle endlessly once through your swadharma it has been subdued now you work upon the vyakta vasana avyakta vasana we will take of, think of it later this because we cannot take care of the avyakta uh, that way only the vyakta we can take we can for the will power with that you struggle a bit a time will come you will find the struggle has gone now you can easily continue with the delaying of your gratification without any struggle because the feedback mechanism in your body has calmed down the alarm system so that's the thing at the very beginning he is asking for that is not sufficient that is like that way i am getting rid of the vyakta vasana but what to get how to get rid of the avyakta vasana those which are holding my this limited personality for that some other practice is necessary you have to assert yourself and we are not going to the slogan it's almost time so just the idea is that the vyakta vasana we take care of first by swadharma and then by the will power but there is long term practice constantly thinking that you are the atman with the intellect intellect chooses among the so many mental modules you create a new mental module which speaks of brahma karavritti i am thinking of myself aham brahmasmi i am the atman i am the self that module that you pick up with your buddhi and try to keep your mind always in that now this vritti has a very wonderful characteristic when you think i am brahman you are denying your ego isn't it you are denying your ego that i am not this limited being even when you are thinking i am a devotee of god that also is denying the ego that god is i am both are eternal this life is just a flow so this thought this contemplative thought by always which speaks of being established in the self that is hammering the ego the hub so if you hammer the hub and try to get rid of the hub then all these spikes all will collapse together so these are the two fold practices actually one is to get rid of the vyakta vasana through will power and first swadharma has already attenuated them then the vyakta vasana is taken care of with the will power and this long term practice at last will have to get rid of the hub so that i can come out of this limited sense of idea that i am this limited psychophysical being and that entails in my ultimate liberation so the next few slokas bhagwan will be speaking of that long term practice that how to get established in the self how to ascertain that 
and come out of it. So you will find each and every chapter actually constitutes the whole. In so many ways, actually he's going to that ultimate. Whatever practice he takes into consideration, he will take that to the ultimate. And he will give us a, what you say, that uh, so many uh, ways of going to that same. That's why Gita is a wonderful scripture of synthesis. So many are there. Each and every chapter you will find. So with that, the Karma Yoga will end. So we are having a few more slokas. Let us go slowly. We need not just uh, complete those few. Those few slokas will speak of that long-term effect. So at the end of the chapter, you will find the Bhagavan has spoken of three things. With Swadharma, attenuate your desires. And then with the willpower, take care of the manifested desires. And with the practice, that constant contemplation, try to get rid of the ego. And then that will enter in your spiritual liberation. So that's the thing with which this chapter will end. So we will continue with those few more slokas again in the next class to uh, complete this chapter. And then we will have a short revision of the third chapter. So with this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.